to the Fulfillment and Fire podcast. I'm your host, Kira Bannister, and this week we're doing something a little different. I ran a free masterclass um, on Friday. It's now Monday. I ran a free masterclass on Friday, and it was really all about my journey um, how and how I've transcended through everything to get to where I am today. And let me tell you, the level of vulnerability was next level. Like, I plan to be vulnerable, but not that vulnerable. And it was just the most beautiful, potent, powerful call ever. (laughs) I got off the call and I was like, holy shit, that was cool. So I, of course, wanted to bring it to the podcast because it's just so valuable. And I think everyone will get some sort of value out of this. And it's just always so powerful and potent listening to the coach's journey right? Because I said this on my Instagram, like usually a good coach does not just wake up one day and decide that they just want to be a coach for no reason. A lot of the times it's because they've been through the thing, they've experienced the thing and they've had to transcend to get to the other side. And that's why they want to help people because their journey gives them so much passion, so much purpose. And that's exactly what it was for me. So I think this is going to be so special for you guys to listen to my journey today. And I think something really cool that I did was I didn't just riff on on this happened and then this happened and then then this happened. Like I really did bring the transcendence into it as well because that's where the value is, right? I know that obviously there's so much value listening to someone's journey alone, but the actual value from that is the transcendence and how they transcended past that. So this is why I wanted to bring this masterclass to the podcast today. It is a little bit longer than most of my episodes, but I really, really invite you to stick around and listen to the whole thing because like I said, this is just going to be immense value and I just can't wait for you to listen to this. The amount of authenticity and trust and vulnerability that's in here is just insane. It's next level. This will be the last episode before Christmas and I just want to say that I hope you all have an amazing Christmas, an amazing New Year's, and I actually cannot wait to be back next year on the potty. I plan on really stepping things up next year, bringing some more guests onto the show and yeah, just really making it next level. So I absolutely can't wait for 2023. And I truly just want to thank each and every one of you for staying here with me through 2022. It hasn't been the most smoothest year, but next year I am dedicated and I'm choosing that next year is going to be the best year of my life. I also do mention my new offer, which is coming out very, very soon. It probably would have launched by the time this podcast has gone live but it's being run in February. I won't spoil it. I'll let you get to the end and hear it for yourself, but I'm actually so fucking excited for this space. It's going to be the most potent, impactful space you could possibly imagine. So I will link the link. (laughs) I don't even know what I'm saying. I will link the link to purchase down in the description box. And without further ado, let's get straight into the episode. I really encourage you to have your journals, a water bottle, like sit back and relax. Listen to this a couple of times if you need to. 
guarantee there'll be so many points here that you can relate to in some way, shape or form. I'm just so excited. So without further ado, let's get into it. I hope you enjoy. As much as this is my story, I don't want to riff too much on this is what happened and like then this happened and I don't want it to be too much about um, my life and me just basically telling you a story. I do want to really um, elaborate and reiterate on the actual transcendence because that's where you guys are going to get the most value. Listening to someone else's journey is so powerful and so potent, but the real lessons and the real learnings for the audience is the actual transcendence and how I transcended through everything. So just know that I will be riffing on my past and all the things that happened in childhood through my teenage years, but I do want to keep it at a minimal. Um, I'll touch on the points that I need to, but otherwise I really do want to make a big point about the actual transcendence that got me to where I am now. So when I look at my whole life as a whole, I just look at myself, even when I was younger from a very young age, and the whole overall theme of me growing up was that I was a very suppressed person and in every way possible that you could possibly think of. So emotionally suppressed. I was suppressing my feminine my whole life. I don't even think I knew what that was or how to do that. Or I don't, I didn't have any feminine figures in my life. So naturally that was a very suppressed part of me. So as a whole, I was just a very suppressed person. And in terms of like authenticity and expressing who I actually was, so suppressed. I didn't even know who I was because a lot of the time growing up, I was shaping myself and molding myself to be someone that I thought that other people wanted me to be. <clears throat> and I just molded myself to be someone to fit in. What I thought people wanted me to be like in, in order to fit in and to, to be liked and to be loved. So that was me as a whole. That's the overall theme of my life up until probably, I don't know, even like eight months ago, I was just a very suppressed person. So when I grew up, I grew up in a very masculine predominant environment. So yes, I had a mum, I had a sister and obviously I had my dad, but there, in terms of feminine energy, when we're talking energetics, there was none of that in my life. Like there was no motherly nurturing energy around me because my mom, God bless her. I fucking love my mom. She is such a masculine predominant figure. <laughs> so I would even go as far as saying she was more masculine than my dad. My dad was more feminine than my mom, which is fucked, <laughs> but they work and they're still together to this day. So good on them. And truly like when I speak to my parents throughout this whole call, I am 100% like not putting shame or blame or anything onto them. Like they are the most beautiful parents. They love me to death and I know that they do. And they were just doing the best that they could with what they knew at the time, like every parent does. And I think a lot of parents in our society these days are taught to suppress their emotions and to just be a suppressed embodiment version of them in general because they just weren't taught all these things that we are now starting to uncover and starting to learn. And I absolutely love where this, where the shift is going because we're starting to uncover all these things and learn the real truth. And so my parents were just probably your typical parents that just didn't know how to healthily express their emotions, didn't know how to deal with other people's emotions. And so my parents were very much like this tough love. It was a very tough love environment. So oh my God, those dogs are going crazy. Um, 
it's a very tough love environment. So when I say that, I mean, when I'd come to my parents with a problem, they'd kind of just be like, oh, you know what? Just like suck it up. <laughs> it's just like, welcome to the real world. That's what, that they love to say that. <laughs> love that one. Um, but yeah, it was just very much like brush it off, suck it up, just keep going basically. And I remember like I was always a really sensitive child. So that was really hard for me was when I was coming to my parents with an issue or a problem, or I wanted to voice something being told to suck it up or get over it was really hard for me as a sensitive child. And so from a very, very, very early age, I learned to suppress everything. And my default response to everything moving forward was just get over it, suck it up, let's go, basically. And while I'm very grateful for that, in a sense, because it's given me so much power, strength, um, it's built a really strong work ethic within me as well, because I just, I do, I am naturally just a go, go, go productive person, which is amazing. But I never had the duality of the feminine. I, it was just masculine all the time. And so, like I said, this just led to a lot of emotional suppression um, and just hustle culture, which, I mean, isn't a bad thing, but it has its time and place. So I remember when I was little, I was so emotionally suppressed that I would just get really angry at the smallest little things and to the point where people thought that I had anger management issues I was never diagnosed but people genuinely thought that I had anger management issues because I was just like I'd snap at the smallest little things snap at my parents I'd snap at my friends I'd snap at my family like everyone like I just used to snap at the smallest little things very short temper I used to call I call myself now the little angry gremlin child <laughs> but I see her as she's so cute she's so cute she's just a little angry gremlin but she was a cute one so that's what I look at her as now. It's so funny. Um, but yeah, so I just get really angry because all this emotion would just, and all this energy, because emotion is energy, right? And just get stuck in my body. And I never actually learned how to healthily express it. So it got stuck in my body and it turned into anger a lot of the time. And my parents would always say, oh my God, like you're so dramatic. You're so sensitive, like calm down. Like, so from that, I learned that I was too much whenever I had something to say, whenever I had something to bring up or voice, I was too much because I was too dramatic or I was, you know, I was just being annoying. I was too sensitive. So that's very much how I was conditioned. Um, and it's been a very long journey into unlearning all of that um, and learning how to actually healthily express my emotion and hold my emotion as well. So yeah, I would remember like I'd go through really emotional things in my life. And I like when, when I got really intense emotion, I would have panic attacks because my body did not know how to hold emotion, like any emotion, anger, sadness, like excitement, nothing. I was a very numb, numb child. Like I didn't feel much, <laughs> which sounds kind of sad now, but I truly, like I was so numb to everything. And I, I used to label myself as this cold hearted bitch. And I used to shame myself because I didn't feel emotion when I was at things like funerals and when friends would go through really hard things, like I just didn't feel anything for them. And when I was at my grandpa's funeral, I remember I was like sitting there, everyone was bawling their eyes out and I was the only one not crying. Like, and I felt shame. I didn't feel like I needed to. I just felt so much shame for not being sad because everyone else was sad. And I was like, who the hell am I? 
doesn't even cry at a grandpa's funeral. You know what I mean? So it's like crazy, crazy shit. I just couldn't cry. And sometimes I'd get to the point where my body, I'd want to cry. I feel like I needed to cry, but I just wouldn't happen. And I truly believe that it's because there was not enough safety in my nervous system, in my body to cry. Because I grew up believing that it was bad to express your emotion or, you know, it's just you're too much or you're too much of an inconvenience. Stop being so dramatic. Stop being so sensitive. Because I learned that. I started to shame myself whenever I did cry. I I would just be like, what the fuck? Like, you're so weak. Like, you know what I mean? I would have those sorts of beliefs around crying and showing anger. It's like, you're so sensitive. Like, you're so weak. Like, don't be a pussy, basically. Like, get over it, like my mum said. So because of the amount of shame that I was projecting onto myself for having emotion, my body did not feel safe to actually healthily express that and hold that. So this was just genuinely a pattern up until probably, I'm going to say like six months ago, earliest. Yeah, six months ago. So my body just didn't know how to hold it because I was shaming and projecting so much shame onto myself for having emotion. Like my body just was like, well, I don't feel safe to express emotion. I'm not going to because the subconscious is always just trying to keep you safe. So subconsciously, if it knows that it's not actually safe, excuse me, if it's not actually safe to release your emotion, express your emotion, it's not going to. So sometimes I would literally just sit there and feel like I needed to cry, but it just wasn't coming out. So you can imagine like all this built up energy and emotion in my, in my body over time. And it just made me a really suppressed human. And this is how it led to me as well, feeling numb because the way I like to look at it is the more that you suppress, the more that you pile on and don't actually get rid of or release, it just adds up and you become numb because how the fuck are you meant to feel anything when you've got all this shit sitting inside of your body that you actually haven't allowed yourself to let go of? So that was a really major key point in my journey was the emotional suppression side of things. And when I was growing up, I did from my parents' relationship, I learned that the woman was always in charge and the woman was the dominant one. The woman makes all the decisions because, like I said, my mum was a very masculine figure. (laughs) I don't know if she even had any feminine type of aspects in her, to be honest, which, like, genuinely, I love her so much and she's so funny. She's so funny. She's just always on the go. She's like, hustle, hustle. So funny. Um, If you know her, you'll know what I mean. But yeah, she really, they, their relationship demonstrated to me that the woman takes charge. That's literally just what I thought was true. The woman just takes charge. The woman is the leader in the relationship. The woman wears the pants. And so that's what I did in my relationships. I attracted exactly what my parents were. I attracted these feminine men, feminine men who were more feminine embodied, who were more overly sensitive because I was subconsciously actually craving that motherly compassionate figure in my life so I searched for that in my intimate partners and because I didn't know how to give that to myself I was outsourcing and looking for that in intimate partners which is crazy to think of now but that's what I was doing subconsciously because I never had that and modeling my parents relationship I was always attracting people like that that were more feminine embodied and overly sensitive so my first relationship was really beautiful actually um 
and we it lasted for about three and a half years. It was absolutely beautiful. He would literally do anything for me and he loved me so much. It was actually the most beautiful relationship I could ever have hoped for. I went on the pill when I was 14, which was very young. And knowing now what I know about the pill is insane to me. My body was just like so unregulated for about seven to eight years, which is insane. And I'm not sure if any of you guys are on the pill, um, but I'm not, I'm not here to tell you not to be on the pill, of course, um, but this is just my choice. And now that I've learned about the pill, what it does to the woman's body, unregulation, literally numbing emotion, the main thing for me was like I grew up learning to numb emotion and then I get on the pill and that's exactly what the pill does as well. It stops you from feeling it literally, it's the idea of suppression. Like when I come off the pill, all of, I started having all these outbreaks with my skin. I started feeling really miserable and like I wouldn't put depressed as a label, but like I was feeling really shit when I come off of it. And it's because all this shit was suppressed through the pill for eight years. So that just added to it. So after my relationship, I broke up with my partner the one of three and a half years. And it was beautiful. It was so beautiful. I didn't realize this at the time, but I lost attraction for him. And that's why we broke up. So I actually held a lot of shame onto that breakup because I was like, he's the most beautiful human. Like what, what am I doing? Like, why can't I just love him? Like he loves me. And I just lost this attraction. There was nothing wrong with our relationship. I just lost attraction. And it was really insane thing. Like I grew up in a really small town. So I, we were like the relationship that people were like betting on to get married. Like everyone loved us. (laughs) And so when I was the one to end that, so many people were coming to me and so much shame was being projected to me that the amount of shame in my body was just, I don't even like, I don't even want to think about because I didn't know it at the time, how much shame was sitting there in my body. And I never even got to grieve the relationship itself because I was so busy feeling so ashamed. And the relationship itself, I only just grieved about two months ago, truly, because I never felt it when it happened because I was so consumed with all this shame. And so what happens, The I'm not sure how many of you know much about the chakras and the energy centers, but the sacral chakra, which is your sexual energy center, shame blocks your sexual energy center. So anytime you're feeling shame, that's why you might, or guilt is why you might not be feeling horny. You might not be feeling turned on and your sexual drive might just be a little bit low. That's why, because the shame sits in there. And from that shame, I actually, I I was still a very numb person at that point, obviously. Um, But from that shame, I started to outsource because I just wanted to feel good. Um, I didn't know what was happening at the time, obviously, but I started to sleep around a lot and start to because I felt so much shame from that breakup I felt like I didn't have the knowing to validate myself so I was feeling super unloved and unwanted and everyone was just projecting all this stuff onto me and all this shame and blame and why don't you just get back with him like what have you done he's perfect you guys were perfect together like that made me feel so shit and I didn't have the emotional intelligence then to validate myself and see myself in that. So I started to outsource validation. I wanted to feel loved. I wanted to feel wanted because I wasn't feeling that and I wasn't giving that to myself. So I started to outsource and I slept with, like I had this sleeping around casual sex phase for probably 
probably the main main stint of it was like 18 months after the breakup and it was literally just to suppress everything and to it's just a temporary escape from my life basically that's what made me feel good was just going and sleeping around with men I got that temporary validation the temporary connection the temporary feeling of being wanted but it got to the point where I was like the they used to call me the secret slut <laughs> um, in my town. It was a very small town because I would like sleep around with all these people, but no one knew about it until like years on. So I'd be called the, the secret slut. And that was my label, which was absolutely horrible. And it got to the point where I was like, why the fuck? Like, this is not me. Why the fuck am I sleeping around with all these people? It's just not me. Like, and it was like this weird thing of like, I didn't want to be doing it but I kept doing it. It was so weird. It's like something was just taking over me and I just kept doing it even if I didn't want to. So that was really insane to me. And so this, yeah, like I said, went on for about 18 months, but the casual sex probably lasted until probably the start of this year. Like I don't have any casual sex now. I will not have sex with anyone unless they are my person or they've claimed me. Because what I learned from that casual sex phase was that I, the only good thing about me was my body. And I was only wanted because of my body, because of what my, basically my sexuality could offer to men. Everything else was not good enough. And through this phase, obviously I was attracting the wrong type of men. I was attracting the men that were exactly the same as me. And I was attracting the men that were obviously also emotionally suppressed. It was a distraction to their life. And it just was, it was so toxic And because sex is an energetic exchange, I was taking on everything that they were, that they stored in their bodies as well. So I was just this really fucked up human at the time of like all this shit inside of me that I just didn't know how to let go of. And so through all these energetic transfers through sex, I just ended up holding on to so much of other people's shit, basically. So yeah, that was my sexual, that was my casual sex phase. And what I learned was that my body was the only good thing about me. I was used for my body. And what happened was the men that I was attracting would say whatever they needed to, to get me into bed. At the time I was like, I'm not having sex with them until I know that they respect me. Right. But that never happened. And because I had no respect for myself, I set the standard, right. I'm like, they give me like a love heart emoji. I'm like, yep, he respects me. Let's go. (laughs) Like that's genuinely what my mentality was. So I was like, yep, I'm not having sex with the men until they respect me. And they'd say whatever they could to get me into bed. Some men I was talking to for months and I wouldn't have sex with them. And then I'd we'd get into bed, I'd sleep with them and they'd leave me the next day. Like literally it happened so much. And it got to the point where um, I actually found out a couple of months or a few months ago that it's labeled as emotional abuse because it is, it's like the man was just telling me everything that I wanted to hear basically, or everything that they knew would get me into bed, but then they'd leave me. It's like this push and pull. It's like, Oh, they love me. And then next minute they leave me. I'm like, well, fuck, what have I done wrong? I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not deserving whatever it was. And so if you know about the attachment styles in relationships, there's anxious, avoidant and avoidant anxious. Avoidant anxious is the one that I've never heard of before. And it's the one that's least common. It's, I think they said like 10% of people have anxious avoidant attachment styles. So very little. And it's usually 
um, found in people that have been, I don't like to put labels on things, but just because it's what the societal term is, um, but I'm just going to call it anxious avoidant attachment. So I was looking all this stuff up and it said that um, most people that had this attachment style were ones that had been abused or raped or just had something really extreme like that happen in their life, like abuse, all that sort of thing. And I was like, the fuck? I was like, I've never, I've never experienced that before in my life. And then I kept reading and it kind of said about emotional abuse. And I was like, holy fuck, like a light just switched. And I was like, holy fuck, like I have been emotionally abused for a lot of my time, <laughs> like in my teenage years, I was emotionally abused by men. And it was really difficult to, to realize that because it's like, from that, I just had this perception that men were bad men. I couldn't trust men. Like I had this really bad relationship with the masculine and yeah, it was, it just basically played out in all of my relationships. I, I was single for about six and a half years after the last, the first boyfriend that I had I was single for about six and a half years because that just kept on happening it was like I love you they'd leave me after they slept with me and it just kept happening and I was just attracting the wrong type of guys and so I led to binge eating to help me deal with all the emotions and it was just a distraction it was a distraction from what I was feeling I didn't know how to deal with my emotion properly I was so out of touch with my body and so eating was the way that I suppressed everything and it was, I was never really diagnosed with a binge eating disorder, but I was at, a, I was seeing a therapist at the time and she suggested that's what it was, but it was never diagnosed. And I don't like to put labels on that either because it makes people sound like they're fucked up or they're like, well, disordered, like it makes it sound like they're fucked up and they're not, it, there's always a reason behind everything. And so I was eating like shit tons of food because I just didn't, every time a sense of loneliness would come up, that's when I noticed the binges were really bad. So casual sex and binge eating were my distractions and my go-to outlets to temporarily make me feel good. So I want to pose the question to you, maybe not now, but in your life, have you ever noticed that you've turned to an outlet or an external outlet to temporarily make you feel good, make you give, give you the hit that you're you're searching for? Because what I found out, because I think most people have something, there's like porn, socializing can be a distraction. Like those people that um, I used to be one of them that was just always searching for someone to hang out with because I didn't want to be alone. It's a distraction from being with yourself, sitting with yourself. Um, food, obviously, casual sex, there's so many. Technology, there's heaps. It's just what you turn to when you want to feel that temporary hit, basically. Yeah. So I was just, I, that was my journey of like casual sex, attracting the wrong men, fuck boys, emotionally unavailable men, because that was me. I was an embodiment. I was a mirror of the people that I was attracting. I was emotionally unavailable. I was a fuck girl. <laughs> we'll put that label on it. I was a fuck girl. I didn't respect myself. So I was just attracting these men that just didn't have any respect for me. Like, obviously. And so I actually ran away to Canada. So funny. I ran away to Canada, randomly just decided I was going to go on a working holiday to escape my life. I said to myself at the time, when I get back from Canada, everything's going to be perfect. I'm going to find myself in Canada. I'm going to discover what I want to do. I'm going to find myself. And when I come back from Canada, everything's going to be perfect. And Canada was a miserable experience. I was just probably the worst I'd ever been in terms of the relationship with myself. 
worst it had ever been. Um, I hated myself. I hated my body. I felt absolutely disgusting. I'd packed on about 10 kilos from the binge eating and I just felt absolutely gross. I didn't feel like I was good enough or worthy. I was still attracting men that just didn't respect me. I felt shit. And I come back from Canada and I was like, cool. (laughs) I feel worse than when I left. Excellent. We love that. So I was like, that was the pivotal moment for me that I remember this moment and I will for the rest of my life. Got back from Canada. I realized that the relationship was the worst it had ever been with myself. I hated myself. I used to look in the mirror and just literally say like, you disgusting piece of shit. Like, and I said it one day and I was, I looked in the mirror one day, I said exactly that. And I was like, this can't be what life is meant to be like this is just not it. Like there are people out there that love their bodies, that love themselves, that have a really strong relationship with themselves. This is not it. Like I don't, this just didn't like, I don't just have to cop it and deal with it. Like I actually get to make a choice in this moment as to what I decide to do next. And I was in lockdown at this point because it was COVID and it was like my worst nightmare. I was literally stuck with sitting with myself all the time being with myself all the time, which was my biggest nightmare. I hated myself. I hated being with my thoughts. So I was like, right, something's got to shift. I was like, I don't even know what the fuck's going to, I'm going to do, but like, I've got to do something. And I didn't know anything, nothing about self-development at this point, but I decided that I was going to look at myself in the mirror every day and tell myself I was beautiful. And I was going to say, self-love affirmations can't remember exactly what they were but affirmations looking at myself in the mirror and telling myself that I love myself and I remember at that stage I was like don't even worry about the gym don't worry about losing weight all I want right now is to have a good relationship with myself and learn to love myself again that's exactly what I did fast forward it led on to my health and fitness journey I lost about 10 kilos the relationship with myself was amazing all good and I genuinely felt the best that I'd ever felt in my life I was crying. I had my spiritual awakening. I was crying because how good my life was. And when I look at it, like logically, it wasn't good. Like I was at a job that I hated. I didn't have a boyfriend. I had no friends and I was so happy. I was so happy. It's like crying of happiness every day. It was so bizarre to me. And this is where I realized the number one lesson in my whole journey is everything comes back to you. Everything job shit, work on yourself. (laughs) Relationships are shit, work on yourself. Friendships are shit, work on yourself. It always comes back to you. Until this, up until this very point right now, I've used that. And every time I'm not happy with something in my life, I come back to myself. What is it inside of me? Because it's always, we are the fucking directors of our life. We are the main character of our life. It is so unethical to blame everything and anyone else. We always get a choice as to how we show up. We always get a choice as to what we do with our life, what we do with ourselves, how we choose to respond to certain situations, how we behave. It's literally all up to us. How unethical for me to go out and say, oh my God, like these men are treating me like shit. I was fucking letting them. I was fucking letting them. It's my choice. I didn't respect myself and that set the standard for how they were to treat me. So that was the number one lesson in my whole journey was that it always comes back to me, always. And so I moved to Queensland, best thing I ever did. I come here and obviously for those that know the Sunshine Coast, there's a few Sunny Coast girls on here, but for those that know the Sunshine Coast, it's a very 
not a hippie place, but there's a lot of spirituality here. There's a lot of personal development, a lot of growth. Best thing I could have done. I just absolutely time collapsed everything when I moved here and it was beautiful. I moved here by myself and it was amazing. And that's when I first started to learn about energetics and feminine and masculine energetics. I remember the first podcast I ever listened to was that changed my view on everything, right? And it was Georgie Stevenson's podcast, the Rise and Conquer podcast. It was an episode with Monica Yates explaining how the women paradigm has shifted completely from women not having equal rights, shifted the other way to women treating men like shit and emasculating men. And it's this whole independent woman movement going too far. And I listened to this episode and it triggered the fuck out of me. And it was because that whole thing, that whole episode was me. I realized that my whole life I'd been emasculating men. I was the one that was taking charge. I was the one that was always leading. And that's why I attracted the relationships that I did. I'm never going to attract a man that wants to lead the relationship. I'm never going to attract a man that wants to make the decisions. I'm never going to attract a man that wants to provide and protect for me. If I'm the one in that role, they're not going to settle for that if I can't receive it. And that's when I realized that I was emasculating men so hard, so hard. I looked back at all of my past relationships and I was like, holy fuck, I almost feel sorry for these guys. It was so bad. So that's when I really started to learn about all these feminine, masculine energetics. It was just so interesting to me. Like it wasn't even coming from a point of like, I want to embody this stuff. Like I want to teach this stuff. It was literally just like, it was so interesting to me. And I think the thing that really shifted for me was this episode And so from that point on, I actually started to change my beliefs around men. I had some really fucked up stories about men. I, my first belief that I ever changed was that men are nurturing, men are kind, men are compassionate. I can trust men. And even just that little shift in my mindset, I started to attract the most beautiful men, not even kidding you, from the minute I changed my mindset. And from that point, I was like, there's something here, like, this is insane. Like the fact that I can just embody and like take on a different energy. And then I just attract a different type of man. I was like, this is so cool. I loved it. And I, I don't know if anyone knows Lauren Crenn. I love him. I'm obsessed with him in, a, in the most healthy way possible. I'm obsessed with him. I listen to all his work. He's very, he's like a teacher for masculine, feminine um, energetics, masculine, feminine polarity in relationships And I joined so many of his workshops, so many of his free masterclasses just to learn as much as I could about feminine masculine energetics because I was just genuinely so interested. And so when I started to embody all this stuff, I started to realize, have all these realizations in my head, click, click, click. And I was like, holy fuck, I can't believe that I can just shift my energy. And then I start to attract a different man. So this is when I learned about feminine, divine feminine, divine masculine. And at the start, it was very like, it was very unclear to me what feminine masculine actually was, but, and it's, it sounds, I know that no one wants to hear this, but it truly is an embodiment. Yes. I can put the labels on it and describe what the masculine is, describe what the feminine is, but it truly is. It's just an embodiment. And it took a really long time for me to learn how to actually access that part of me because it was never in my life. Like I never had feminine energy around me, like I said, and it took me a long time 
to actually learn that. And it felt really uncomfortable. I started to let men um, open my doors for me. I started to let men pay for my meals, pay for my coffee, little things like that. And even just the smallest shift, it was like I got to actually sit back for once and like relax and just be. And that's what the feminine is, just being. The masculine's the doing, protecting, providing. The woman is receivership, surrendering, and just being. And it felt so good, but so uncomfortable at the same time because I was so not used to it. But even just that little shift, I started to attract so many beautiful men in my life. And now that I'm further along on my journey, I realize that feminine is so much deeper than just surrendering receivership. It truly is an embodiment. And so a task I'd love to give you or a challenge I'd love to give you, if you do feel like you sometimes do wear the pants in in your relationships, I challenge you to ask your partner to make all of the decisions from now on for just trial it for like a week or two weeks and just see how it goes. It will just allow you and it will force you back into your feminine. You'll have to start receiving. You'll have to start trusting them. And you will notice a shift after the first week even of how fucking good that feels because that's us at our core. Women are biologically born to receive, to have that motherly, nurturing, kind, compassionate energy. We are not, we are not born bio, biologically with this doing hustle culture, always got to be busy, blah, blah, blah. That's not us at our biological level. We, if you look at back at in ancient times, like way back at our ancestors, like the woman was always the one that was like at home with the kids and like making dinner. And as much as it doesn't have to look like that now, the energy and the energetic embodiment is the same because that's who we are at our core. And once I had this realization and once I had this shift and I truly was embodying that very energy, it was just game changing. I didn't know who the fuck I was because I was always distracting myself, doing, doing, doing. I never sat with myself. I wouldn't know who I am. Like I was always doing things to please people because I did, I wanted to be loved. I wanted to be liked. Like I wouldn't know who I am because I was just always busy. I was never being. I was never just sitting there and being with myself, being with my thoughts. What do I actually like to do? What? Who actually am I? What sort of person do I actually want to be? Am I just being this person and acting in that way because I want to be liked, I want to be loved, or I think I'm going to be judged if I don't do that? Or is it because I actually want to do it? And this is very much still something that I am working on to this very day. But the more that I go on this growth journey, the more I uncover about myself and the more I learn about myself. And it's so, so beautiful. So I want to change gears a little bit now. I've mentioned a little bit about relationships and the energetic side of things, which was genuinely a huge shift for me. And I did, I attracted a beautiful conscious relationship into my life um, halfway through this year. So beautiful. And now I know why I didn't attract that before because the per- the old me, that person could not have held a relationship like that. There's no fucking way. This is why you have to be the embodiment of what you want. You have to, it all starts with you because If you're not, you can't hold that relationship because I wouldn't have thought I was worthy enough. I wouldn't have thought I was good enough. And second to that, a conscious relationship is not easy. (laughs) And that's a realization I had this year. Not easy. I was like, oh my God, conscious relationships, so good. No, it was beautiful, 
so intense, so intense. And I wouldn't have been able to hold that back then. No way. I didn't have the relationship with myself. I didn't have the strong foundation within myself to be able to hold that. I didn't think I was worthy back then. I wouldn't be able to have a relationship like that. That's why I wasn't attracting that. So in order to attract your perfect person, if you are single here, um, you need to be an embodiment of what you want. I literally wrote myself a list the other day of what I want in my next partner. And I was so in detail. I journaled everything. I was so in detail. From that, I made a checklist. I know this sounds really weird and really pedantic, but I don't, I'm not fucking around anymore. I, I, lo- I do not want to settle for anything less than perfect for me. Not actually perfect because perfect doesn't exist, but perfect for me because otherwise I may as well be single. Like I know I've got me. I may as well be single if I'm, if I'm going to settle for anything less. So I made a checklist. Next time I date, next time I find a man, I'm literally going to tick the list. And if they don't tick the list, that's it. And so I looked at that list and I looked through it and I said, okay, cool. This is what you want in a man. What are you not embodying right now? What can you improve on? What can you do better with? And so part of my list was being playful. And I wanted someone with a really good sense of humor and that like to have a laugh. And then I realized I was like, yeah, so where's the playfulness in my life at the moment? Yeah, it's non-existent. So I was like, okay, cool. Where can I start to bring that in? Because I'm not going to actually attract a man embodiment of that myself. Like a man that wants to have fun, wants to have a laugh, wants to have a joke is not going to bring in a, a woman that doesn't want the same, right? So I've got to be an embodiment of that. And the same thing. I wanted a man that can lead me. And as much as, yes, I've grown so much. And yes, I do allow men to lead me now in in so many ways. There's still an element there where I fully don't trust men. And I was like, cool. So you won't be able to ever let a man lead if you don't fully trust men. And so that's what I'm working through at the moment. But I looked at the list and I basically just said, what do I want? What am I not embodying? And how can I start to embody that so that I can attract that? everything starts with me. And so I went a little bit off off track there, but if for anyone that's single, do that exercise, go through the list. What am I not embodying? What can I do better at? And then work towards that to attract what you want. But anyway, I'm going to shift gears now into the emotional suppression and how I transcended that. Let me tell you, this was probably the biggest part of my journey. And I had a really big initiation this week that made me truly realize what it feels like to feel so safe in my body. And I think it happened at divine timing because the masterclass was today. This happened on Tuesday and it was just perfect timing. I was like, holy fuck. Like, yes, I was already qualified to teach this, but this just put that, made it so, amplified it so much more. Like this happened and I was like, I've never felt like this in my life. So. Like I said, I was a very emotionally suppressed child, didn't know how to healthily express my emotions, was never taught how to do that. And I was learning from myself. I actually didn't really have a mentor or a coach or anyone in my life until I met Beck to teach me how to actually healthily deal with my emotions and hold my emotions. But a lot of it was self-taught. And so what I first had to do was change my perspective around emotion, what emotion even is. Emotion is just energy like anything else. The labels we attach to it, shame, sadness, anger, they're literally just labels so that other people know what we're talking about, know what we're feeling, right? So 
the labels mean nothing. It's just a word. It's just an energy in your body that you move through truly. And that's just how I've started looking at it now. Because once you can detach yourself from the label of what the emotion actually is, there's no room for shame. There's no room for judgment. Because the biggest burden we can put on ourselves is to shame ourselves, judge ourselves for what we're feeling. It's not what other people were thinking or saying half the time. It's what we're saying and what we're thinking about ourselves. That's the biggest burden, right? Because if we didn't have those thoughts there, who gives a fuck what people think? <laughs> like, who cares, right? So when we start to get re- like release that shame and the judgment around emotion, and of course I still have my moments where I'm like, oh my God, you're so weak. Like, oh my God, stop crying. While I still have my moments, detaching myself from those labels and seeing emotion as energy has been huge because there truly isn't any room for shame and judgment when I'm doing that. And so this has required a high level of self-awareness for me, knowing that when I'm when I am going through a really emotional, turbulent time, being really self-aware as to the labels I'm putting on the emotions, what I'm attaching to those emotions, and what I'm saying to myself, how I'm holding myself, what I'm what I'm actually doing to nurture myself in those emotions, I'm just hyper self-aware. And this is just something I've had to learn to do because, like I said, I was conditioned to do the opposite. I wasn't taught how to do this. So it really did require of me a hyper level of self-awareness. So detaching myself from those labels was the first step to not getting rid of the shame, but it minimizes, it minimizes. And when I do feel the shame there, I acknowledge it, accept it. And then I remember that the emotion is just an energy that's moving through my body. It doesn't need a label. I just get to move through it and it doesn't have to mean anything. And it's so cool now, once I've started doing that, I have duality in my life. I've just gone through a breakup and the emotion that I felt was really intense. and I jumped on my stories the next day as this energetic, hyper, bubbly person. Like, because I have detached myself from the label, I haven't made the emotion mean anything about me, I can then go about my life as myself. I don't have to let that event or let that emotion dictate what happens for the rest of my week, dictate how I feel for the rest of my week. And it's so sick. It's so sick. I got to have my moment in the bath where I was like, bowling my eyes out my heart literally felt like it was breaking now I know what they call it heartbreak and I was bawling my eyes out I got to have that moment but I also got to get on my stories the next day I also got to go and get coffee with a friend the next day and just be me and it just didn't have to mean make I didn't have to make it mean anything about myself and about my the rest of my week and another thing that really helped me with moving through emotions and learning to healthily express my emotion was seeing myself in the emotion because you cannot release anything. You can't let go of anything that you haven't first acknowledged. So it's about acknowledging myself and seeing myself in the emotion rather than relying on other people to do that for me. In the past, I needed my partner or my friend to go, oh, like, oh, you poor thing. Like, oh, that must suck. Fuck that. Like I, I want to be that for myself, not to the point where I'm saying that sucks because I don't want I don't want that. That's just victim. But now I just nurture myself and compa- and give myself so much compassion when I'm going through the emotion. 
And I don't have to rely on other people to do that for me because I know I've got me and I know that I am going to nurture myself and give myself the compassion that I need in that moment. And this is what I mean. You cannot seek that stuff from outside of yourself, the safety, the compassion, the love. You cannot seek that from outside of yourself. Otherwise, you will never truly feel whole. And that's been one of my biggest, biggest learnings. And this is a realization I had the other day was when I was going through this really intense in, intense emotional thing in the bath, usually an emotion that big would send me into a panic attack. So a lot of the times when I used to experience emotion that intense, I would have a panic attack because my body didn't know how to hold it. And so it was really fucking cool to witness in the bath when I was going through that emotion. I acknowledged it. I let myself feel it. And the whole time I was talking to myself saying, you're okay, you're, it's safe to, to express everything you want to express. It's safe to feel emotion. You have every right to be feeling this right now. Like literally just giving myself so much love and compassion. And that's what I mean by seeing myself in the, in the emotion. It's just creating that safety because without the safety, your body is not going to want to release or let go of emotion. It's not going to feel safe to to feel it. And so that's what I've done now is I've created a high level of safety in my body, in my nervous system to be able to feel that emotion. My subconscious, my unconscious mind doesn't feel at threat. My nervous system doesn't feel at threat anymore because I have the safety and it knows that I've created the safety. And so now I did feel a panic attack coming on, but I recognize it. And I was like, no, like, this is a safe space. Let go what you need to let go of. Feel what you need to feel. This is a safe space. And what do you know? My panic attack went away. All of the, the breathing, the heavy breathing went away. My heart stopped racing. And it was the most beautiful moment because in that moment I realized I'd created so much safety in my body, in my nervous system to be able to do that. And for me, that was the most profound moment because I've never felt that before. And this is why I value safety so much in every aspect of my life. The core value for me having this business, obviously, I, I want to make impact on people's lives. I love that this work has changed my life and I want to change other people's life. But my core value for this business is safety because I've never had that in my life. And so that's why I value it so much. And so when I had that moment in the bath where I was like, holy fuck, this is what it feels like to feel so safe in my body. Like that was so profound to me. And it gives me goosebumps even just talking about it. Like it was such a profound and beautiful moment. And I realized at that point, yes, I was going through some really intense emotion, some really intense heartbreak, but I didn't feel like a piece of me was missing. I didn't feel like there was a hole. In the past when men have left me, I made it mean something about me. I made it mean that I wasn't good enough. I wasn't worthy. And I didn't have the safety in my own body. So that's what I was taking from them. So that when they left, I felt this hole and I felt like there was a piece missing. Your partner should not complete you. You need to complete yourself. And I know we hear this all the time, but you really do. You need to feel complete and whole within yourself before you go and outsource for your partner. Yes, it's nice. Yes, it's a human need to have that connection, have that love from your partner, of course. And that's just an added bonus. That's just an added extra bit of value to your life. 
but it shouldn't be the thing that completes you. The relationship should not be the thing that completes you and makes you feel whole. And that's what I noticed in that moment in the bath was, holy fuck, like I'm feeling a lot right now. This feels pretty shit, but there's no piece of me missing. I still feel so whole. And I spoke to my inner child in that moment. And this is something really powerful that I've actually only really just started getting really heavy into is inner child healing. So everything that's happened over my, in my life happened basically. And the, the overall theme of that was that I wasn't feeling loved. I wasn't feeling safe. I wasn't feeling wanted. And that's why she craves it so much. That's why she wants it so much because she's never really had that. And so I was just seeing my inner child in that. And you can do this in any moment, in any moment where you find a trigger or you're not feeling good enough, not feeling worthy. What is the part of you that actually is feeling triggered? What's the part of you that's actually feeling emotional? Guarantee you that once you figure that out, there will be no room for shame or judgment. You'll just see this beautiful young version of you that just wants to be loved, that just wants to be held, that just wants to be nurtured. And now now that's all I see. In those moments, that's all I see is this beautiful young version of me, the little angry gremlin, the cute little angry gremlin who just wants to be loved. And again, that's why she was so angry. She just wanted to be loved. She wanted to be seen. She was told she was too much. She wasn't fully being seen in everything. So those key points are how I transcended and just created so much safety in my body and my nervous system to be able to feel emotion. I've gone from this girl that couldn't feel it. Her body literally wouldn't let herself feel it because it didn't feel safe to do so to being this woman now where sometimes I cry three times a week and I don't make it mean anything about me. And I get to just go and live my life. Like it, not like it never happened, but I don't make it mean anything about what has to happen for the rest of my week or how my week turns out. It's so cool when it feels phenomenal. A big piece to this is connecting back to my body because without that, I wouldn't be able to feel this emotion. And a lot of the times I do, I genuinely, I don't realize I'm feeling emotion. Sometimes I will have to really sit with myself and feel into my body and just really be aware of what's going on for me to feel it. And that's exactly what I did with this, um, the grief that I had the other night. I fully felt into my body and I felt it all and it felt fucking painful, but I was so connected to my body that I was able to feel that. And in the past, I've been so disconnected from that, that it was just such a cool experience. And this is part of being the feminine. Again, this is another part of being the divine feminine. Feminine expression is being so connected to your body, being able to feel because our intuition is our superpower. Our feelings are our superpower. That's what the feminine is. I like to think of the feminine as the waves and the masculine as the shore. The, the man is the grounding life force energy that supports you in us being able to emotionally express ourselves. That's what it is. And so when we are completely disregarding that part of ourselves, not making an effort to connect to our body, we are not in our feminine. And so that's been huge, being back in my body. Uh, actually, back in my body, I don't think I've actually been in my body since I was about five years old, <laughs> like really young. So it just feels really foreign, but it feels so cool. And this has been a huge part as well, is connecting back to my body. That's a whole part of 
embodying my divine femininity is connecting back to my body. We have intuition for a reason because it's our superpower. And if we're not allowing ourselves to feel into that, feel into our emotions, then we're not being an embodiment of the divine feminine. Emotional intelligence, again, emotional intelligence was the thing that helped me hold safety and hold space for my emotions. Emotional intelligence has been huge on my journey, truly. So huge. Emotional intelligence for me is just being able to regulate myself and just being able to hold myself, not make things mean things about things, if that makes sense. I don't make anything mean anything about me. It just is what it is. And I just, I'm able to hold that energetically, mentally, spiritually, physically, I'm able to hold that. So that's been huge. And then I want to talk about the last piece here in my sexual shame. I obviously, obviously it was bound to happen through all the casual sex and all the suppression through my teenage years and my casual sex era. It was bound to happen that I would have a damaged relationship with my sexuality. In my eyes, sex was the only thing that made me feel wanted. My body was the only thing that made me feel wanted. Not my personality, not who I was inside. It was my body. And so I had this really fucked up relationship with my sexuality. I saw it as just this thing that I just had to give away to people for them to like me or for them to love me. And I felt so much shame sexually. And because, like I said, shame is held in the sexual energy center, you can only imagine. Like there was so much shame there. And yes, I had a high sex drive, but it wasn't the sex itself. It was the feeling of just being wanted and having the safety from that man temporarily. And so it created a lot of sexual shame a lot of stagnancy in my body with all the energy that was being transferred through other men through sex. And this is just, this is the journey that kind of just happened all of a sudden. And I didn't even mean to go on this journey. I think the more genuinely, the more that I learned to be there for myself and see myself in my emotions, the more that I loved myself from an emotional standpoint, the the rest just followed. Because when I, I said this to someone the other day, when you think about it, with all your relationships in your life, what makes you the most connected to them? What makes the strongest relationship with them? Is it the physical element? Is it the mental element? Or is it the emotional element? We connect with people to our biggest, to our most potential on an emotional standpoint. Without the emotional connection, there's nothing. Yes, physical physical and mental both play a part, but the emotional standpoint is really what creates the strong relationship, the strong foundation. And so when you don't have that within yourself, I don't want to say you've got nothing, but it's very surface level. The relationship with yourself is very surface level. And if you're feeling triggered right now, you know why. But it's so surface. If you only have the physical, the mental element, then all it is is just this surface level relationship with yourself which is really hard to hear, but the emotional aspect is so important, so important. And it truly has been the biggest shift for me. So after I learned to do that, the rest just followed. And then my, I, my relationship with my body started to improve. 
And mentally, I just feel so much lighter now, truly, so much lighter. Everything else just followed. So first of all, it was about learning to love my body, see my body for what it was, for this beautiful temple that it is, and not this thing that just makes guys want to love me. And that's the only way that it can be used. See it for what it is. My beautiful body, my beautiful temple. And through that, I started to worship my body and really honor my body through different sorts of practices. So I started off by self-pleasure has been a big part of my, I'm just a sexual person. I always have been. I'm a Scorpio and that's what they do. But um, self-pleasure always felt gross to me. It didn't feel good. I felt really ashamed afterwards. I'd be like, oh, what was that? Like, ill. But now I've started to heal my relationship with self-pleasure, with my sexuality. And I think a big thing for me is when I am <clears throat> pleasuring myself, not having the intention of thinking about like what surface level, like what am I doing? Like this is so disgusting. Not thinking about that, dropping into my body again. And looking at it from the perspective of this is a way that I get to worship my body and honor my body. I love my body. And why the fuck wouldn't I want to pleasure myself and make make my body feel good? And it's such a beautiful way to connect with your body as well. Like, obviously meet yourself where you're at in this, because I know that to a lot of people have some sort of sexual shame to some extent. So depending on where you're at with that, meet yourself where you're at. If you feel like just dancing, connecting to your body in that way is where you're at at the moment, do that. But just do little bits and pieces, little things that allow you to connect back to your body and allow you to feel proud of your sexuality and empowered by your sexuality. Dance is a really big thing that I do as well. I love to just, again, um, well, dancing is a very feminine act, but I used to like get on the D floor and like do like the muzzing and like the masculine shit. Now it's all in the hips and that's where our power is, is in the hips. And so when you are dancing, try to steer away from the masculine movements and and to drop into your body if that's the intention you're going in with, really to drop into your body. You want those like feminine flowy movements. That's how you connect to your body. So if that's where you feel like you're at, at the moment, dance is fine. Just these little things that are going to eventually lead you up to feeling really fucking good about your body, about your sexuality and really empowered. And I don't think it was a single moment for me, but it was just like, if I'm being completely transparent here, I used to have to watch porn to be able to make myself orgasm. I couldn't just do it on my own up until probably three months ago, maybe even less, to be honest, if I'm being completely transparent. And the first time I I had an orgasm without porn, I was like, holy fuck, I've done it. I've done it. And it was the moment that the only thing that had shifted was that I had changed my perspective on what self-pleasure was. It was this way of worshipping my body and loving my body rather than just this thing to make me orgasm. And it was the hugest shift. And it's a beautiful way to connect with whatever you want to call it, the universe, divine spirit, whatever you want to call it, it's a beautiful way to connect with that as well. And so I've started using it as a manifestation practice. It's just like 
It's detaching yourself again from the label of self-pleasure, detaching yourself from what it is from the surface and just seeing it for what it really is. It's a way of honoring and worshiping our body and loving our body so deeply. Our sexuality is the most rawest, vulnerable part of us. So when we can start to feel so empowered and love that part of ourselves, things just fucking start to change dramatically. And when you've got all these elements of feeling empowered about your sexuality, feeling empowered emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally, when you've got all all of those, the relationship with yourself is literally unshakable. You become such an unfuckable person and people can feel that from you. People can feel that energy from you. And I guarantee even watching back this masterclass compared to my first one, you're going to be able to feel the shift and the strength of the relationship in myself compared to what it was back then. You can just feel it. It's an energy. And it's no, it's no coincidence that my business has just started to move now. It's no coincidence that I've started to attract the most beautiful friendships into my life now, the most beautiful relationship into my life. It's no coincidence. It's because it all starts with me and it always has and it always does. And this didn't happen overnight. I've been on my journey for like over two years now, two and a half years. Truly, it does not happen overnight. And it can be really, really frustrating. And I understand that. I was so frustrated at a point. I was like, I just want to love myself. Like it gets really frustrating. But all you can do is detach yourself, go through the motions and just work on yourself a little bit more. Even if it's 1% more each day. And it just gets to feel so empowering when you get to the end of that because it's like, holy fuck, I've been working at this for so long and it, I finally feel it. And you know when you feel it too. Like I thought I loved myself like three months ago and I did to an extent, but now I'm like, this is nothing like I've ever felt before. And you just know, you just know when you've hit that point. So with that being said, that's basically my journey that's the main points that I wanted to give to you guys today and I just want to thank you so much for holding space for me as well and and holding the safety for me to be actually able to tell you guys and be really vulnerable I've absolutely just fucking loved this and I just if I looked at my life like three months ago there's no fucking way you would have thought that I'd be doing this today even so this has just been fucking incredible what I do want to bring though. So this offer is my embodied Voxer mastermind and it will be a four week container. For those of you that don't know what Voxer is, it's basically a voice noting messaging app and it's real time, have it lifetime access, um, lifetime access, four week container in a group of beautiful women So it will be a group container and basically it's a mastermind. So basically you bring whatever you want to bring into the container. There'll be coaching points. There'll be me answering questions. There'll be me celebrating all the things. And it's just such an empowering space. Genuinely, I was in a mastermind not that long ago, the most impactful space I've ever been in in my life. For the fact that it was just, I was in an environment with the most beautiful women that like like like-minded women while I got to time collapse my growth. And so everything in this container will be around intimacy, relationships, feminine, masculine, 
dynamics, polarity, relationship with self, everything I've spoken to today will be valid in that container. And so what's really cool about the mastermind is that you obviously get to bring what you want into the container, but also you get to hear other questions from other people that maybe you never would have even thought of that might be relevant to your life. It's so cool. It's like this group and you're like seeing and witnessing this coaching going on with like 10 people. It's like you just absolutely time collapse your growth. I cannot fucking wait to facilitate this container. It's just, it's probably one of the most fun but growthy containers I've ever been in was this mastermind that I was in. So special. And when I look on my life, that's when, all this year, sorry, is when I had my biggest growth spurt was when I was in that mastermind. It was crazy, insane. And I just genuinely can't wait to see what women are in this space because it's going to be epic. I cannot wait. With that being said, Again, I really just want to thank every single one of you for being here and listening to me speak. It's been such an honor and being able to just share my journey like that and share these teachings, these lessons that I've learned along the way is so, so special to me. And I just am so appreciative of every single one of you in my world right now. Things have just moved for me in the past like two months and it's just been going at a rapid speed and the people I've been attracting into my world are just so phenomenal, so potent, so powerful, so beautiful, all the things. And everyone here, I just am so blessed to have every single one of you here. I'm so grateful.